Sounders, keep your shades anchored and where they belong during life's greatest feats. Head to soundergoods.com and use promo code KTTC to get 10% off and free shipping with any order. You're listening to the Keef to the City podcast. Here's Neil Keefe. All right, we're inching closer and closer to opening day now, just a week away from the Yankees opening the season at the stadium against the Blue Jays. And uh, joining me today to talk some Yankees baseball with the season right around the corner is Chad Jennings, the Yankees beat writer for the Journal News. Uh, you also know him from the Low Hud Yankees blog. Chad, how's it going today? Good, good, not bad. I was, uh, was going to say, it must be about that time when you're you're ready to leave Florida. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. It's uh, I, always, I, I was telling one of the players the other day that that first day you walk into the clubhouse and they have all the boxes out in front of lockers. That's just that's such a good feeling. When you know you know you're getting close to, to getting out of here and getting home. <laughs> well, I feel like you know when it's about mid February and you're getting ready to go down there and the off season's over. There must be you know that sense of excitement that there's a new season around. You're yeah. going to Florida, get out of the cold. What's the day or like the point when you're like, okay, enough's enough. Let's let's get home. <laughs> Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know that there's like a turning point really. After a couple of weeks in, I guess it starts to feel a little, uh, Groundhog Day-ish. You know, you're, it's funny because then at the end, you know, right now when kind of everybody covering the team and the players, everybody's a little bit burned out. Now is when it's actually the most interesting because now you're starting to see, you know, big league players stay in the game for seven innings or so or so. You're starting to see some like real decisions made. Some of the, the cuts in big league camp carry some meaning. So now it's actually the part that matters, but you're so burned out from having seen everything that really, you know, I, I mean, I, I just can't watch another PFP. <laughs> I, 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 watching pitchers field bunts is, is, is getting old. Um, so, that, you know, now it's, now it's actually pretty interesting, but now you just kind of want the regular season to start and get back into the, the old routine. Yeah, and it feels like it feels like uh, at this point it's just you know monotonous time. You know, you're just reading every day these game recaps that don't matter, looking at box scores that have no meaning. And uh, now just a week yeah. out. I mean, you're lucky it's warm down there. It's still freezing up here. It was snowing here yesterday, yeah. and it just seems kind of nuts. You know, once again here the Yankees are going to open uh, seven days away from you know the last snow. Hopefully, what was last snow um, against Toronto, a team that plays their home games in a dome. You'd think it'd make more sense to open there. Yeah, right. Yeah, this this would have been uh yeah, not a bad not a bad way to open the season if you if you had to go on the road there. Last year, I think it was last year they opened on the road in Houston and then Toronto. So the, the coldest the cold days it was you were in one of the warmest cities in the country and uh and then a place with a dome. But uh <laughs> not not so much this time around. Well, uh I guess we'll start with the guy who's you know been the focal point since the the last out of last season was made all the way through today and will be once again next week when the real season starts and that's A-Rod who uh you know entered spring with Cashman and Girardi saying they really weren't sure what to expect or what his role would be uh he exceeded expectations he's been playing well in spring training from a sort of off the field uh issues standpoint he hasn't made any headlines uh for anything other than baseball so I guess it's been a pretty successful month for A-Rod Oh, I mean, I think no question. It, it, look, I don't know. I mean, the, the way he's hit in spring training, if he does that in the regular season, he's going to be the MVP. <laughs> That's not going to happen. I mean, he's, he's not going to hit this well in the regular season. But the fact he's hitting like this down here, I mean, I think that's encouraging that he can he can at least be kind of a, a good number six, seven hitter. You know, he, he, his, obviously he still has a pretty good eye, um, his, which I think you'd be concerned about after having not seen pitching and 
in more than a year. Um, he he seems to still be able to to really pounce on a bad pitch and take advantage of it and drive it. And I mean, I think a lot of times that gets dismissed. You say, "Oh, well, he hit a home run. It was a it was a you know." A, three-one fastball that he knew was coming or a hanging breaking ball but, but but the ability to take advantage of those bad pitches i mean that's what great hitters do they 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 build up their numbers by just really crushing a, a bad pitch i mean nobody does very well against a good pitch and it looks like alex still has enough in him that he can do that that he can that he can take advantage of a bad pitch and do something with it he can be able to get on base I, his defense is bad he can't move very well but i i think he's gonna he can play a passable version of the infield corners uh, to at least give him a, a chance to give some guys a break, and, and for the most part, just going to DH. I, I don't. And and the biggest thing is really, I mean, he has handled himself with the media, with his teammates. With, it seems like other people in baseball really don't aren't as down on him as you might have expected. I, I think he's handled this about as well as he could. I mean, as bad as poorly as he handled 2013, he has done the exact opposite so far in 2015. It seems like, you know, he got to spring training, and that was a hurdle. Then performing well in spring training was another one. The biggest one will come next week when the real game starts, and his average and every plate appearance actually matters. And, um, you, you know, at this point, because Jeter's gone and he was the face of the Yankees for so long, and then before him it was Mattingly and there's sort of a seamless transition, do you view, you know, when you cover this team and you write about this team, do you view him as the face of this team at this point? Oh, gosh. I, I mean... I guess in some ways, especially if you're if you're outside, like my, I mean, you know, I, I grew up in Missouri. I think for my friends back home in Missouri who are not Yankee fans, I think when they think of the Yankees, they probably see Alex now as sort of the face of the team because he probably still, to people outside of this fan base, still represents what the Yankees are about. I mean, he's this big name player who has paid a lot of money and who's older, and, you know, I, I think in those ways he is still, for some people, would be still the face of the Yankees. You know, he is he is kind of what the, the team seems to represent. I think in reality, here, within the fan base, within New York, for the team itself, I don't think he's that guy. I mean, he's obviously he's not going to be the guy they're rolling out for big ceremonies on the field and stuff like that. You know, he he, <laughs> he just kind of is this this other thing. I don't know that they have... I mean, you know, for the past two decades, you got used to having a Jeter type. Most teams don't have that. So if you're looking for someone to play that role, that, like, clear face of the team, you know, basically a face of the, of the game, uh, there just really isn't someone like that on this team. Well, the person who I, I certainly wouldn't want it to be at first base is Mark Teixeira, and uh, we've heard, you know, right when he got to camp about his new gluten-free diet, and it seems like every season, whether it's that or him, uh, you know, admitting a couple years ago that he wasn't going to ever be the player that he used to be and that he hit his home runs to get his RBIs but not hit for average, um, and then the injury issues, the wrist issues. Last year, he had just about every injury you could think of, um, and, and now, you know, entering the season, we hear once again about how he's in great shape, he's another year removed from that wrist surgery um i don't know as a yankees fan it's hard to believe in mark Deshera and that he'll even be that 250 25 90 100 guy but from what you've seen from him this spring in tampa in person is there any glimmer of, or glimpse of hope that he could even be you know remotely close to the guy he used to be um i mean i guess that depends on what you mean by the guy he used to be you know i don't think there's any chance he's going to be 2009 i mean he's not going to go back to the MVP caliber but i think there is some reason to think that he could be a guy who hits 240 with power and who, who still gets on base at a, at a decent clip. You know, I, I mean, he still, he, he still has a good eye. He still can take some walks. I, 
to me, the biggest thing is he's got to be able to hit for power again. And I, I always, I use this stat all the time during the offseason as well. He, you go to, to the end of June last season, he was slugging, I don't remember the exact number, he's slugging something like 478, something like that, which based on what we've gotten used to for the past two decades, that doesn't seem like that much. But if he'd carried that through the season, he would have finished something like 15th in the American League in slugging. I mean, that, that's power these days. You know, a high force 400, 470 to 490 slugging is a really, really powerful hitter. And I think Teixeira can be that. He was that in the first half of last season. But then what happened in last year is the last three months, he was a mess. He, he, that, you know, he still had all of these nagging injuries that kept popping up. He clearly uh, was not strong and durable and was not able to maintain. He wasn't ready to play 162-game season. Some of that is probably because he spent so much of the offseason just rehabbing. And I think that's why when he came in and was talking about this new diet and he's in better shape, you know, he's always a guy who's tweaking stuff and trying something new in the offseason. Who knows if it's going to work? But with him, I think it did carry some weight because he, he really does need to get some of that durability back. I mean, really, if he can just be as good as he was the first three months of last season, he's not going to be the MVP guy. He's not going to be who he was in 2009 or 2010. But I think he can still be a very – that guy is a very productive number, like, five hitter. I mean, I do. I think that that, that level of production – can be pretty good. It's just he's no I, no, I don't think there's any way to look at him now as a guy who's going to carry the team. I think that there's some reason to think maybe he can he can be powerful enough and strong enough to, to help. Well, also in the infield uh, at second base, you've got Stephen Drew, who is pretty much the front runner for the guys that you know every fan is going to turn on on Twitter as the season oh, begins. Man, yeah. <laughs> and I know yeah. you're you got to be ready for it. And uh, he he struggled mightily during spring. He was awful last season. Didn't have spring training last season. Um, he got the one year five million dollar deal from the Yankees. And it seems you know going back to last year when they signed McCann, everyone wanted them too. But it was a little you know uh, mysterious because they had a lot of catching depth in the organization, and now it seems like they have a lot of second base depth. Yet they have Drew here, sort of, you know, clogging that hole up um, while they get Perella and Ref Schneider ready. I don't know. I just feel like it's the in- inevitable that at some point Stephen Drew is going to get designated for assignment, and we're going to see Ref Schneider and Perella. But you know, from your standpoint, um, you know, maybe it's a more sound baseball decision to at least start the season and what you get out of him. But do you think at some point we're going to see the kids at second? Yeah, I. I... I think it was a sound baseball decision. I mean, I under, and I trust me as a guy who covered AAA for years. I I love the idea of giving kids a shot, and especially when they played well in AAA. I, I think it's worth looking at them. At the same time, I mean, you can't have watched. And I'm a, I'm a big believer in Robert Snyder. I think this kid has his head on right. I think he's going to work hard. I think he does all the things right. I don't think he's a good second baseman right now. I mean, you can't have seen him this spring and think this guy's going to be a good second baseman. He just you know, he makes some mistakes, and, you know, some of them are not just, like, rushing it. I mean, you know, his footwork sometimes is off. I mean, it's just, you know, he just hasn't been a very good second baseman. He's only been playing the position for two years, and he really only has a partial season in AAA. In my mind, there's nothing at all wrong with sending him back down there, work a little bit more on that, try to get him a little more polished. You know, Jose Perella is a guy who just two or three years ago was completely off the prospect radar. Now, he's still young, but he signed so young. But, I, again, it's a guy who I don't think you necessarily can look at him and say, oh, after one good year in AAA, this guy's definitely going to be an everyday second baseman in the big league. You've got two guys there who could be. But to have sort of in the interim this guy, Drew, on a one-year, $5 million deal that 
is small enough that if you have to cut bait with them at the end of May, you can. And go back just to 2013, I don't know. I mean, Stephen Drew's 2013, the numbers he put up there, if he repeats that, he'll be one of the best offensive second basemen in baseball this year. He would have been, you carry those numbers into last year, he would have been one of the best second basemen in baseball last season. Obviously, last season he was terrible. But you just have to go back two years on him to find a guy who's a really good offensive middle infield guy. And I'm not positive that that Ref Snyder or Perella could come up this year and put up the numbers that Drew did in 2013. I think it's worth taking a shot. I think it's worth seeing if he can kind of do this for, you know, you give him a two-month tryout. If he does it, great. And you, you, you bought low on the guy and it's paid off. If he doesn't, then you make the move. Then you try to see, okay, well, now Ref Snyder's had another half year in AAA. Now maybe he's ready. I, I just think it makes sense, and it was a nice move, too, to, to add a little bit of uh, shortstop depth just in case. You know, you saw Dede Gregorius went down the other day with that wrist injury. Initially, that looked bad. I mean, the way he got up, I thought he'd broken his wrist. Um, turns out it's probably a non-issue. But they're that close, one little injury to Gregorius, from having to run out, what, Brendan Ryan and Nick Noonan as their starting shortstops. You know, I mean, I, I think having Drew there is a nice little uh, – comfort a nice backup plan for if, if something would happen to Gregorius, you could still slide through the short and then and then make a move at second. Well, when you put it that way, uh, I feel a lot more comfortable about it now. <laughs> <laughs> but I could be totally wrong, and he may hit 160 again. Do <laughs> you, you feel bad about it now? But, yeah, I mean... No, I, mean look, I, don't, I just don't see it. People are seeing it as like a risk move, and it, to me, it's not a risk move. It's, a, it's an all-upside move. I mean, this guy... You're not paying him enough. You're not committed to him for years. This is not a guy who's blocking the path. This is a guy who is kind of worth a shot. I mean, he really was a pretty decent middle infielder for a while. I think it's worth giving it a look, seeing what he can do. And there's value, too, in sending Perella down and having him, you know, try to repeat AAA. I mean, he's had one good year there. Let's see if he can do it again. And and giving Rick Snyder a few more chances to really learn second base. Because uh, I, I think one thing the Yankees learned last year is to uh, – to really get short on defense up the middle it can be a problem. And and I think they've, they've tried to address that this year with, with Gregorius and with Drew. And I think trying to get Ref Snyder a little bit more comfortable, a little better at second, I, I think there's some logic there. When you brought up an interesting point talking about Drew and that if he can just go back to what he was two years ago, his last full season because of the contract issue that happened last year, um, and he replicates those numbers, you have one of the better offensive shortstops in the game. And I feel like that's sort of the case with a lot of the Yankees' offense is that you're hoping they can just be what they were uh, for a season in a recent season. And it seems like there's so many unknowns and question marks now for the third straight season. And the last two years it didn't really work out and they didn't hit on any of them or at least enough of them to to, to make the playoffs and it seems like we're in that boat again where you're just hoping that you know a couple of these guys can do what they did a couple of years ago and and I think you know that's another uh, you know level of mystery here with this team because it's not you know going into a season like you were in 2009 10 11 or 12 where you knew this team would compete for the division and be there in the playoffs you sort of the window or the, or the window of wins could be anything from like 78 to maybe like 90 92 with this team yeah, isn't that crazy? It, it, what I think is interesting is, like you are talking about with all the veteran guys in the lineup, for, like using Drew as a perfect example, I think it's very easy to, on an individual basis, make a strong case for each guy being worth a shot. You know, I mean, Carlos Beltran was terrible last year. He also had the elbow issue that was clearly a factor. Again, go back just to 2013, 2012, he was still a really good hitter in St. Louis. I think that's worth 
taking a shot, seeing if he can get back there, see how much the elbow really played a role. Mark Teixeira, go back to just the first half of last season, he was still a pretty productive power hitter. Worth seeing if he can do it. Didi Gregorius is a really good defender who's done it okay against righties in the big leagues. You want to see if maybe there's still some offensive upside there. Stephen Drew, if he can get back to 2013. Uh, Brian McCann, you know, has all this power, left-handed swing that, that should fit Yankee Stadium. On an individual basis, you look at each one and go, okay, I see why the Yankees want to give this thing a shot. The problem is when that's basically your entire lineup is guys who you're like, well, let's give this thing a shot. It could work. It, it's uh, That's where I think it becomes problematic is that it's not just one or two guys where they're kind of rolling the dice. It's, it feels that way that's just up and down the lineup. It's just all nothing but guys trying to get back, and, and, and maybe each one individually is worth a shot, but it's hard to feel good about it and hard to feel comfortable about it when it's the entire lineup. And it feels like sort of uh, the uh, the strategy or the blueprint that the Red Sox used in 2013. They went from last to world champion back to last, and it's like that one year sandwich in between the two last place finishes, every single thing, every question mark, every unknown worked in their favor, and it yeah. just seems like the Yankees are sort of banking on that same exact plan. Yeah, and, and and to some extent they don't have much of a choice there. I mean, they, you know, really, I mean, they, they committed to these guys. You know, they... I, I bring up Teixeira a lot, and you go back to that contract they gave him. If you were going to give anyone an eight-year deal, Teixeira coming into the 09 season seemed about as safe a bet as there could be. I mean, this guy had never had an injury problem. He was an elite defender at a position that he was probably never going to have to move away from. He'd always done – he checked off every box offensively except maybe speed. I mean, he just said he could hit for power, hit for average, had a good eye. He, he was, and you weren't signing him until he's 39. You were signing until he's, what, 36, I think, at the end of that contract. That seemed like a, that's about as safe a deal as you can get, and that one's blown up on him. You know, uh, CC Zabathia proves himself over and over and over and over and over again. He gets to, he gets to the point where he gets topped out. They sign him the new deal, and then, it, and then it starts to fall apart. But all of these contracts, you're always signing up for risk, and the Yankees have done that. I mean, they, when they've, this, the high spending ways and, and, and really building a team through free agency. Free agency is a big risk. I mean, it just, it is every time. And so the Yankees were really tied to a lot of these things. And the idea that they should just cut bait with Alex, cut bait with Beltron, cut CeCe, it just, it doesn't work that way. I mean, that, that is, it's an easy, that's such an easy thing to say from the outside, but just in reality from the inside, it doesn't work. You, this is the guy you've tied yourself to and, and you're banking on his ability to stay productive. And so the Yankees really have to do that. I mean, they, they have, they have, bet on a lot of big-name guys, give them a lot of money, and they've got to hope they can be productive again. Well, in the outfield, you've got Brett Gardner, who's the, the cheaper version of Jacoby Ellsbury, and then you've got Ellsbury himself, and also Headley at third base, and I feel like those three guys right now are the three, the only three guys, or at least you know a third of the lineup, that you really know what you're going to get going into the season, barring any catastrophic injury to the, any of the three, but I feel like those are three where you know the numbers they're going to put up, and the rest of the guys seem to be the ones that are, you know, they could go either way. They could be um, the the all stars they once were, or they could continue to decline. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's fair to say. I, I mean, I guess with uh, with Headley, there's some unknown with him. I mean, you know, he he played pretty well last year, but I don't know if he can if he's ever going to hit for power like he did. What was that 2011, 2012? One of those years in San Diego when he hit so many home runs in the second half. Um, yeah, but yeah, those are the guys you're banking on. The, the problem is that all of the unknown is right in the middle. You know, it's the middle of the order. The guys you're expecting to drive in runs, those are the ones that are the most uh, just completely unknown. And the scary part about the offense is that 
you know, after everything that went wrong in 2013 and they were playing most of the season with, like, each row and Overbay and Vernon Wells hitting, like, 3-4-5, and then going into last year, well, you're like, oh, they were so bad, they can't possibly be that bad again, and then they were actually worse despite having much bigger names in the offense. So it just, I don't know, it just makes me feel the least comfortable about this team is knowing that the offense could, um, you know, tear it up and go off and, and follow that Red Sox blueprint of two years ago, or they could continue and, and possibly be even worse than they were last year, which was insane that they were worse than they were year before. Yeah, I think there, there's no way to feel very comfortable about this team. I think there's a way to look at it and, and see that you know, it's very easy to look at them and see the scenario in which they're a good team. Um, it's just hard to look at them and feel confident that that's the scenario you're going to get. Uh, I, I mean, I think I think that's the issue with the Yankees right now. They're they, they're just so heavy on 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 uncertainty. Um, you know, that's, I think that's the biggest problem right now is that there are a lot of ways it could work. And then it's just, gosh, and then, and maybe that's part of why you see, as we were talking about earlier, that the fan base is so down on Stephen Drew is that I think all you wanted was something like, give me something I can hang on to where I feel good about it. And to instead of bringing a guy who is another one of these, like, well, it could work, but it, but it very easily might not work. That just seemed like it was just adding more fuel to the fire. You know, it did just more of the same. Yeah, and I think the only thing that's keeping me uh, at least a little confident as opening day nears is the, is the pitching. And I get once again, the health of the pitching is the biggest question. But when you look around the division, there's no real clear-cut favorite. And I know a lot of people are on the Red Sox and is talking about their resurgence now offensively. But their pitching staff is, is a mess. And they don't really have you know a, number, a true number one or even a number two guy. And for the Yankees, they have both those in Tanaka and Pineda. But the season hinges on the arms of those two. And it just seems like every day I, I wake up in the morning and go on Twitter. I'm just hoping not to see you know you or another beat writer tweeting about uh, Tanaka's feeling some elbow discomfort. And uh, every day I can get through without him or Pineda getting hurt is another day with a win. Oh yeah, no no question. I mean, and in, in, in that way, the, the spring has played out as well as the Yankees could hope. I mean, they they've gotten those two guys so far through this. Pineda looks incredible. I mean, he really really looks good. Tanaka looks the way you'd expect, but you know, again, every time he pitches, I think you're holding your breath a little bit. Um, yeah, the, the high end there is significant. I mean, I, that's the best. If they're healthy, that's the best one-two in the division. One of the best one-twos in baseball. But again, it's it's a guy who you know you know one guy has a torn elbow ligament, and the other guy for three straight years has had a shoulder issue. <laughs> it's hard to feel. It's hard to feel great about that. <laughs> well, then you got Cece who. He could be, you know, the, the the best part of this team if he can get healthy and even get remotely close to back to where he was a couple of years ago. Now that um, he he's had the knee issue and that seems to have gone away, and he seems to be getting back on the right track. And to have him in, in, in the middle of the rotation, a guy who's usually used to being the opening day guy, used to being the number one, um, you know, that's that's as good of a find as any team in the league if CC could even get back to even being just even a little worse than he was in in 2012. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, he if he look if he can be kind of what uh, Hiroki Kuroda was for a while. I mean, that's that's ideal. I think that's the dream scenario here is that he becomes just sort of that steady force, not a guy who's ever going to be particularly dominant, but a but a really steady number two three guy. Um, again, he's a guy you don't know much about. I I think the Yankees have reason to feel great about him this spring. His numbers are awful. I mean, he's just just brutal. But he, he the fact he's throwing harder. I don't think that's such a big deal in that he needs to be able to power a fastball by guys, but it does just show that he's stronger. And I think that's a big deal. And I like that he's talking so much about his changeup and, and really using it a lot. Cause you know, when he was in Cleveland and having some of those best years, his changeup was a huge pitch. 
And and I think he's going to have to use that a lot now. I mean, he's really going to have to be able to change speeds and keep guys off balance to have much success. And I think he can do that. I think there's I think there's reason for optimism with CC. It's just that those reasons for optimism are now coming, and you're still seeing him give up home runs, which he's probably going to do now. And 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 the numbers are awful, so it's hard to again. It's one of those where it's just hard to feel really good about it, even when something good is happening. It's hard to feel great about it because it's still shrouded in all of this uh, this negativity and the potential for more negativity. Yeah, and at least in uh, at least what it seems like in the bullpen, um, they did a good job of stockpiling uh, potential high end arms, hard throwing arms, and uh, led by Dylan Batantis, who's you know I don't really know what to make over the last week or so because everyone's starting to get concerned now that his velocity's down, he's giving up more runs. Maybe uh, maybe last season isn't who truly truly is, or maybe he's his arms tired from uh, all the work last season. Um, what do you make of Batantis, you know, right now at the back end of this bullpen? I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I think there's cause to be concerned, but at the same time, I I think there's cause. I think there was cause to be concerned from the end of this season. I mean, just because how many guys, how many relievers really do it over and over again? I mean, Dylan Batantis could have a standout career and still never repeat last season. I mean, that, that he could have a great career and still have last year be the best best season of his career. You know, it's it, it's just hard. You just don't see that many relievers who are steady and who get this done year after year after year. I mean, the Yankees were spoiled with Rivera, and then to some extent, I think we'll probably spoil a little bit with Robertson. I mean, he, because that's the next guy they developed, and he was really steady for whatever it was, four, five, six years. Um, can Dallin do that? Sure. I mean, his stuff is good, and, and as the Yankees keep saying, he was the fact that his velocity is down now, it, it, was, it was at this level at this time last year, so I do think that the arm strength will be there and all that. I mean, he's just too big and strong and, and complaining of no health issues for me to think that he's not going to still be able to throw hard. But he's been hit around, and, and some of his stuff's been a little less consistent, and maybe that's just the reality of being a relief pitcher. I mean, it just seems like relievers come and go, and so to really fully bank on a guy based on one good year in the big leagues I think was risky from the start. Uh, that's why I thought it was sort of unusual that they let Robertson go because I think that they did have one of those few real reliable guys and and you know maybe Miller can be that maybe Batanzas can be that maybe Carpenter has a great year I I, I still think the bullpen's a strength I just think that there's some obvious risk there just because it's a bullpen and bullpens just are risky by nature it just they're, they're not it's it's pretty hard to find a really reliable year after year gets it done every time guy who, who does that out of the tent. Because Robertson was homegrown and had proved it here and had done well in his first year as the closer, um, I thought they had to resign him in the offseason, and I thought you know they needed to get him and Miller because of how questionable the rotation was going to be and uh, the health concerns of the rotation and the fact that they weren't interested in Lester, Scherzer, or Shields. I felt like they had to get Robertson and Miller both in here to be comfortable with the bullpen, and, and they didn't, and now it's just Miller and Batances, and like you said, who knows what Batances' future holds and if he'll ever even be able to come close to duplicating what he did last year, but um, between him and Miller, who do you expect right now? You know, to, to close these things out, or is it going to be sort of a committee issue? Yeah, I, I guess I, my guess is it's going to be Batantis, but I think there's some chance that Girardi, you know, allows himself to to mix it up a little bit. You know, if you go into the, it looks like the eighth inning is going to be three straight righties, and the ninth inning is going to be left, right, left. You know, maybe he gives Batantis the eighth and Miller the ninth. Maybe I just don't think that. 
Joe has the personality to be the guy who's going to like revolutionize bullpen usage. You know, I, I just don't think that. <laughs> I him. wish he would be. I, I, oh yeah, I think I would love to see a manager do that. I would love to see a manager who says it's a one-run game, and in the seventh inning, it's the three-four-five hitter coming up. I'm going to go with my best reliever. In my mind, that's the way it should work. But no manager does it, and Joe just, in my mind, is not the guy who's going to do it. I don't know who would, but I don't think it's going to be him. And maybe I'm wrong. I mean, look, maybe that doesn't work. I, you know, the relievers do talk about that there's a lot of value in knowing when they're going to come into a game. Maybe that's a bigger deal than I'm giving it credit for being. But to me, especially the way the Yankees bullpen is set up right now, where you don't have anyone who is used to the closer role, where you do have a lot of guys who are used to coming in at any time, this is the perfect setup to try that to give it a shot where, where there are really no defined roles. You just use your best guy in the biggest situation. I, I would love to see him try it. I just don't think they're going to do it. I think they're going to go with a more standard setup, and I think it's going to be the Tantas. And it always it always puzzles me why someone, you know, whether it's Girardi or someone else, doesn't change that because I can't, you know, recall how many times last year there was second and third with one out or bases loaded two outs and a situation made just for David Robertson and they've got, you know, David Huff or Rich Hill or someone else out there trying to get out of it just because it was the sixth or seventh inning and ninth and ninth inning. And um, it just, you know, it, I'd rather have Dylan Batances with, you know, second and third needing a strikeout rather than him pitching to a clean inning the next inning. Oh yeah, no question. I mean, that's that, I think that makes the most sense. But like I said, there there is every time I think that, and it's easy to say that from the outside. Um, you do talk to relievers who say it helps them to know when they're coming in, and uh, so you know maybe that's a bigger factor, and and you know it does sort of let them truly prepare and get themselves ready. I, I don't know. It it seems to me like the <laughs> the other way would be a better way to do it. I just don't see. Uh, I just don't see it happening this year. Well, last year we heard about Jacob Lindgren a lot, and if the Yankees were more in the race than they were, it felt like he was going to, you know, get called up at some point to be um, a stronger lefty out of the bullpen. Uh, he's had a good spring, and now he he gets you know sent down from the major league camp, and they're keeping you know Esmeel Rogers in the bullpen for now. And I understand um, the veteran you know experience that he has, but I, I know he throws hard, and and it just seems like we know what Esmeel Rogers is at this point, and it seems like every year at this time when the Yankees break camp they go with the veterans over the youth and then after three or four weeks it doesn't work out and they end up bringing those guys up anyway so uh it just seems like we're following that pattern once again with how they're handling uh the bullpen and, and spots in the bullpen that probably should be going to other guys yeah maybe uh, yeah and I, I don't disagree with you i i felt like with lindgren look i think that the way the season's going to start especially when um you know you don't really know how many innings you're going to be able to get get out of Tanaka and CC, you know, it may be worth giving them both the Pettit treatment, you know, where you just don't let them go over 100 pitches. Um, then I think there's value then in keeping two long men. So then you go with Rogers, and and I'm I'm betting I think Whitley's going to make the team as a second long guy. Then you have that last spot in the pen, which could go to Lindgren, could have gone to Lindgren, um, could go to Rumbelo, who's also looked great, um, but. I also think that's a spot where you want some flexibility. You know, it may come to the end of April. Whitley and Rogers haven't thrown more than one or two innings at a time. You want to do the spot start thing. Maybe then you send, you keep, say you carry Chase and Shreve, send him down, bring up Brian Mitchell to make a spot start, send Mitchell back down, and you bring up Chris Martin or something. I think you want some flexibility there, and which is why I don't think you want that to be Lindgren to start the year. I mean, I think you want Lindgren, when Lindgren comes up, He's coming up, and he's going to stay, and you want to really have the ability to 
lean on him and make sure he gets there. I think there's probably some value in carrying a guy like Shriver Martin out of camp and then at some point being ready and, and willing and able to adjust. You know, if Andrew Bailey's pitching well in AAA, for example, then maybe he comes up and he's the guy. Or if Lindgren really is thriving, then he comes up and he's up to stay. I, I think that, that they're, they're not – I do think the Yankees are far more willing now to give young players a chance. I just think they're also still trying to be cautious and smart about it. And, and I think there's some value in holding Lindgren back. I think there's value in holding Rumble back. I think there's obvious value in holding Severino back, Judge, and Bird. And, and I think they're trying to, I do think there's a new willingness there, and I think there's a more. I mean, you see Hal Steinbrenner go on the radio and talk about Luis Severino. You know, <laughs> you know, that's the owner of the team knowing these prospects and basically like promising the fan base we're going to give these guys a shot. I really think they're going to do that, but I do think they're still trying to be smart and cautious about it. Because it's worth noting that most of these guys have never played above double-A. I mean, the, the amount of the guys who have triple-A experience in the organization is like Perella, who's more like a utility type, Mitchell, who had a partial season there last year, and Refsnyder had a partial season there last year. I mean, the, there really aren't that many organizations who immediately start pushing their guys straight from double-A, especially from partial season in double-A, to the big leagues. That's just an unusual situation. It doesn't happen very often. And certainly the Yankees aren't going to be the ones to do that. Well, you started covering the Yankees uh, during the World Series run in 2009. You got an ALCS in 2010, uh, 11. They probably should have gone back there. 2012, the ALCS was a debacle. And then the last two years without the postseason. And um, now we're sort of in this third year of a phase where we don't know what to expect from the Yankees rather than the first few years when you were on the beat and it was the same team over and over. What do you think yeah. for this team right now? What do you what do you envision for this season? Do you do you have a you know similar feelings to you had the last two years where um, it's sort of as a rocky start? And I know where we talked about last year before the season how um, it was you know a lot, it didn't really feel like it was going to be their year, and I think it, it, to me it at least feels like that once again. Yeah, I I mean this year is so hard to predict. I do think that this team. I think the possibility for this team is much higher than the possibility for last year's team. I mean, you know, you look back at last year, I mean, last year they opened with Kelly Johnson and, and Brian Robinson, you know, I mean, they're better. They're better at those positions now. They just are. They're, they're better at shortstop. I mean, D.D. Gregorius is not going to be Derek Jeter, but last year Derek Jeter wasn't Derek Jeter. So it's, I think they're better. I think they're better than they were last year, but I still think that the, just the uncertainty is so overwhelming. Um, I think they have a chance to be the rotation stays healthy. If they get 25 to 30 starts out of CC Tanaka and Pineda, I, I think they can win the division. Um, I don't think, I don't know that they can do that. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know how long that elbow is going to hold up. I, it's, it's impossible to say what kind of pitcher CC is at this point. It's uh, I mean, it's just the, the risk reward of this team is so overwhelming. I, 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 I have certainly never gone into a season less sure what to expect. I mean, I, I think to me, the smart money is on betting low. I mean, I just think that you can't look at this team with all the uncertainty and think, oh, you know, it'll probably all work out fine. I, you just can't go in thinking that. You can see how it could work out fine, but I think you'd have to go in. I'm coming in with, I guess, if I have a set of expectations, they are probably on the lower end of the scale. I'm not going in expecting this to be a playoff team. I'm just going in recognizing that it could be a playoff game. Well, maybe uh, they'll overachieve and we'll get like a 98 scenario where they're 90 and 30 at one point. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, hey, listen, if that happens, if that happens, that'll be pretty fascinating to watch. It's, uh, 
it, look, it's going to be an interesting year. It, it, this is a team that's interesting. I really think that. I mean, Tanaka is is fascinating for many reasons. The, the a guy like CC trying to come back. A, you know, you forget Carlos Beltran's a borderline Hall of Famer, and and we're seeing him now try to like try to be a great player again at the end of his career. Alex Rodriguez, as annoying as the story has gotten, and as much <laughs> as I am sick of writing about him, it's fascinating what's happening with him. I mean, it really is. This is a this is one of those moments in baseball history that I think people could talk about. I mean, it's a this is a guy who's going through something com- completely different than what we've ever seen. And sure, his career and his legacy is totally tainted, but he's still one of the best players we've seen in the past 25 years. Trying to come back from a year off and from all this other extra stuff off the field. It's fascinating. It's an interesting situation. I have no idea if it's going to play out very well for the Yankees. And certainly the Yankees would rather not be a part of it. But it's interesting to watch. I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting thing to see happen. It's interesting to see the Yankees try to go younger. It's interesting to see Evaldi come in, Gregorius come in, and then see some of these young players come up. It's a fascinating team. I just have no idea if it's a very good team. Well, from a coverage standpoint where you don't have the luxury of uh, turning the game off if it's 10 to 1 or something because you're on the road trip or you're at the stadium and it's your job, but it seems like for a coverage standpoint, it's it's a lot better situation to maybe have this sort of storyline where you don't know what's going to happen rather than one where it's either you know the team's going to be great or you know the team's going to be bad. Maybe it's better to be sort of stuck in the middle and not and not sure of what's going to happen. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that though it's funny, we started by talking about spring training and and wanting to get out, it, I think that uncertainty is part of what's made this spring almost worse to cover because it doesn't mean much. I mean, every time Tanaka has, if, if you take out all the other factors, Tanaka's spring has been great. He's healthy, he's pitching well, it's fantastic. But you have to take all of it with a grain of salt. That's the same with Alex, it's the same with, it's the same with everybody. Everything, everything that happens down here really seems to mean even less than it usually does in spring training because there are so many big-picture questions still looming over everything. That this team, if ever there's a team that just needs to get in the regular season and, and prove to everyone what it is or is not, it's the Yankees. I mean, they have to go out there and just say, here's what we are, because right now they are just so impossible to define, even after you know almost seven full weeks of spring training, it's still impossible to say whether this is a good team or a bad team. All right, Chad, well, I thank you for your time and uh, look forward to getting the season going. You get to leave the luxury of the nice weather and come up here to to the unknown, but we'll have to check in again <laughs> as the season goes on and uh, hopefully all these question marks pan out. Yeah, man, good talking to you again. All right, Chad, thanks again. Yeah, you got it.